bringing you the latest in tax credit news. This is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik. The legislative challenges have been significant. We very much need legislation. We got to produce housing. We're still in a very volatile industry. It's a challenging atmosphere for almost anyone. We can't get all these mixed signals and messages. If he doesn't have a bipartisan bill, nothing's going to happen. Alternative energy is still very expensive. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratik, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, August 23rd, 2016. First of all, I want to thank my colleague, Peter Lawrence, for filling in for me as guest host of Tax Credit Tuesday while I was on vacation. Next, I'd like to thank one of Novogratik's Twitter followers, Mike, for sending me a tweet about a big anniversary this month. This month marks 23 years since President Bill Clinton signed legislation into law that made the low-income housing tax credit a permanent part of the tax code. The bill was the Omnibus Budget Reconciliation Act of 1993, and it was enacted August 10, 1993. Congressional votes on the conference report narrowly passed with a margin of 218 to 216 in the House and 51 to 50 in the Senate. Who was the one-vote tiebreaker? Well, Vice President Al Gore, of course. The bill also provided for the designation of 95 enterprise communities and nine empowerment zones. To start off our podcast this week, in our general news section, I'll talk about the tax guidance that the IRS plans to prioritize this year, as outlined in its 2016-2017 Priority Guidance Plan. I'll also share a fourth quarter update on the 2015-2016 plan. In our local housing tax credit section, I'll share news about the Federal Housing Finance Agency raising multifamily lending caps for Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. And then I'll also discuss what two California housing agencies recommend to address the issue of high development costs when building affordable housing. In New Markets Tax Credit news, I'll talk about the CDFI Fund's summary report of New Market Tax Credit investments made between 2003 and 2014. I'll also share how much quality equity investment was issued according to the CDFI Fund's latest Qualified Equity Investment Issuance Report. In our Restored Tax Credit section, I'll announce the 2016 winners of the Novogratz Journal of Tax Credit Historic Rehabilitation Awards. And I'll close out with the Renewable Energy Tax Credit news, where I'll share what the Department of Energy had to say about how the production tax credit will likely affect the wind power industry. If you're ready, let's get started. In general news, the IRS last week released its 2016-2017 Priority Guidance Plan, as well as a fourth quarter update to its 2015-2016 Priority Guidance Plan. Now, these plans are on a fiscal year basis, July 1 to June 30th. Now, the IRS releases guidance priority plans every year to identify and prioritize the tax issues that it plans to address. The 2016-2017 plan contains 281 projects. That's four more than the original version of last year's document. Now, compared to the 2015-2016 version, priorities to the 2016-2017 plan include issuing guidance on the right of first refusal under Local Housing Tax Credit Section 42I7, as well as guidance on the modification, extension, and phase-out of the Solar Investment Tax Credit under Section 48. 
the two priorities listed in the original 2015-16 plan that were accomplished and omitted now from the 1670 plan include final regulations on utility allowances under Section 42 for submeter buildings and a notification of Notice 2015-4 by providing a revised effective date for the performance and quality standards for certain small energy wind property under Section 48. Now, there were a few priorities carried over from last year, and they include issuing final regulations under Section 45D. That's been on there for a number of years now. Revising and clarifying certain recapture rules relating to the new market tax credit. Issuing guidance on the definition of qualifying energy property under Section 48. And releasing guidance concerning the interaction of the rules in Section 50D-5 in Subchapter K. That's the 50D income issue for short tax credit and energy property pass-through lease transactions. Now, a question for you. Are there any other tax issues you think the IRS should clarify with guidance? If so, I invite you to share them with us. Novogratic leads several working groups that submit comments to the IRS and other agencies on administrative issues that tax credit participants experience. Send us your suggestions at cpas at novoco.com. In affordable housing news, the Federal Housing Finance Agency announced last week that it was increasing the multifamily lending caps for both Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae. The new caps were raised $1.5 billion to $36.5 billion for this year. This adjustment is based on increased estimates of the overall size of the 2016 multifamily finance market. As you may recall, there was an adjustment after the first quarter of the year from $31 billion to $35 billion. The second quarter bump shows how the multifamily market continues to grow. Last December, the FHFA announced a $1 billion increase for each of the enterprises to $31 billion. Now, the two increases so far this year were done to support FHFA's goal of maintaining the presence of Fannie and Freddie Mac as backstops for the multifamily finance market. In affordable housing, loans for most underserved and affordable market segments are exempt from the cap, so this doesn't affect them. But more financing options is still good news. This increase is also a good indication of the strength of the multifamily finance market. The next FHFA update and possible cap increase will come after the third quarter ends, probably sometime in November. In other affordable housing news, two California affordable housing agencies released a list of ideas to address high-cost developments. As you know, construction costs is a major issue for low-income housing, particularly in coastal and urban areas. So, the California Tax Allocation Committee and the California Debt Limit Allocation Committee formed a task force to brainstorm ideas to deal with it. Last week, the leaders of the agencies released a list of eight ideas. The leaders said they, they would pursue two ideas administratively, and the other six will be proposed as regulations. The two administrative changes are to admit the value of donations from the sources and uses budget in total cost calculations for 4% low-income housing tax credit developments. This includes such things as donated land and improvements, fee waivers, and any other donated costs. The other administrative change is to add a line to staff reports that calculates the lifetime rent benefit of a development. The other six ideas will be made as proposed regulation changes. 
They include, first, to limit the bond allocation on a per unit basis based on the number of bedrooms. This will restrict the amount of tax and bonds and 4% tax credits that are available to high cost projects. The second idea is to provide a developer fee incentive to minimize costs for new construction financed by 9% low income housing tax credits. Third, they will propose regulations to eliminate the ability for high cost projects to proceed in the competitive rounds with the approval of the committee. That applies to those with high cost percentages greater than 130%. There would be an offset for projects in high opportunity areas. Fourth, they'll propose to reduce minimum unit size for apartments based on the number of bedrooms. The fifth proposed regulation change is to allow rehabilitation projects to seek waivers for the community space minimum size requirement if community space already exists. Now the final proposed change would be to not allow basis for the cost of parking over the state's established parking ratio standards for certain types of developments. That's a half space per unit for transit-oriented districts and senior developments and three-tenths of a space per unit for special needs projects. Since there are many areas around the country where high-cost projects are an issue in affordable housing, it will be interesting to see the effect on costs and also to see if other ideas come out of these. You can see the full list and explanations of the California ideas at www.taxcredithousing.com. Once again, www.taxcredithousing.com. In New Markets Tax Credit News, the Community Development Financial Institutions Fund recently released data on new market tax credit investments through fiscal year 2014. The data was collected from community development entities that submitted annual reports detailing how they invested qualified equity investment proceeds in low-income communities. The CDFI Fund says that through the first 12 application rounds of the New Market Tax Credit Program, CDEs have dispersed nearly $38.5 billion in QEI proceeds to nearly 4,500 qualified active low-income community businesses. Of that investment amount, nearly 67% was in real estate development and leasing activities. More than 31% was in operating businesses, and about 2% was in financing for other purposes. In 2014 alone, CDEs made 984 new market tax rate investments, totaling more than $3 billion. 215 Kualikis, or nearly 22% of the investment total, were directed to non-metropolitan areas. These Kualikis provided more than $798 million in new market tax credit investments. One way that CDEs can remain competitive when applying for a new market tax credit allocation authority is to invest in areas of higher distress, as designated by the CDFI fund. CDEs can meet their commitment to areas of higher distress by investing in census tracts that meet at least one of the following three severe distress criteria. One, the area has a poverty rate of 30% or greater. Two, the median family income is at or below 60% of applicable area median income. Or three, the unemployment rate is at least one and a half times the national average. The CDFI fund said that about 74% of investments went to projects in census tracts that meet one of these three indicators of severe distress. And nearly 25% of total investments went to projects in census tracts that met all three indicators of severe distress. In sum, the report shows how effectively the new market tax credit brings capital to the underserved areas that need it the most. To read the CDFI Fund's findings, go to www.newmarketscredits.com. Once again, 
To read the Facetia 5 Fund's findings, go to www.newmarketscredits.com. In related news, the CDFI Fund also released its updated monthly Qualified Equity Investment Issuance Report, or QEI report. The QEI report identifies the total dollar amount finalized by new market tax allocatees, as well as the amount that remains to be issued. Now, the CDFI Fund says that about $305 million in allocation authority was issued since the previous QEI report in July. The total dollar amount allocated since the beginning of the program has now risen to nearly $42.2 billion. As of August 10th, the amount of new market tax allocation authority still available is about $1.3 billion. However, much of that is already unofficially committed. Now, to learn more about the latest trends in new market tax credit investments, register for our new market tax credit fall conference in New Orleans. The conference will be held October 20th through the 21st, and you can register at www.newmarketscredits.com. In historic tax credit news, I'm happy to announce the winners of the 2016 Novogratz Journal of Tax Credits Historic Rehabilitation Awards. The annual awards honor historic rehabilitation development teams for excellence in the creative and effective use of the historic tax credit. In the financial innovation category, KD Management won for its redevelopment of an old office building in Cleveland. Known as the Residences at 1717, the building now offers retail space and 223 apartments, 20% of which are affordable. In the Overcoming Obstacles category, Dominium Development and Acquisitions won for turning what was once the largest flour mill in the world into A Mill Artist Lofts, workforce housing in Minneapolis. One of the major challenges was integrating the hydropower system beneath the mill complex into the rehabilitation design. In the major community impact category, Industrial Realty Group won for redeveloping the historic Goodyear Hall in Akron. Industry Realty Group turned the building into a live-work-play destination. Congratulations to this year's winners. We're going to honor them at the Novogratz Historic Tax Credit Conference in Cleveland next month, September 21st to be exact. I should also point out that Novogratz conducts several awards programs that recognize outstanding achievements in the use of tax credits. We have awards for affordable housing, community development, historic rehabilitation, and renewable energy. We accept nominations year-round, so I encourage you to check out our awards programs and consider submitting a nomination. Go to www.novoco.com. In renewable energy tax credit news, the Department of Energy released its annual wind power market report last week. The report concluded that wind power's low cost makes it an attractive option for utilities and corporate buyers. The report found that wind power was the biggest source of electric generating capacity additions in 2015. That wind made up 41% of new generation capacity in the United States last year. Bigger turbines have enhanced the performance of wind projects, and the falling price of turbines have helped push down the cost of wind projects. The price for wind power, which was $0.07 cents per kilowatt hour in 2009, has dropped to $0.02 cents per kilowatt hour in 2016, according to the report. The report says that the growth in the industry is supported by the production tax credit, which was extended for five years last December. That is highlighted by the fact that the report predicts wind power capacity additions will continue to grow for five years. 
The report says prospects for growth beyond that five-year window are uncertain. The Department of Energy says that 2016 and 2017 will likely be the peak of project finance activity for the foreseeable future. Those are the years, of course, when projects that commence construction receive 100% and then 80% of the previous production tax credit value. The report was prepared by the Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory and is available at www.energytaxcredits.com. The report is entitled 2015 Wind Technologies Market Report. Well, that brings me to the end of this week's report. Don't forget, the deadline to submit nominations for the development of distinctions awards is coming up. These awards recognize outstanding achievement in developing local housing tax credit and HUD finance properties. Nominations for the 2017 round are due September 16th. Go to www.novco.com for more details. That's it for now. I'm Michael Novogratik. Thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratik and Company, LLP. Archived discussions are available online at www.novoco.com forward slash podcast or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. Novogratik and Company, LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novoco.com.